As chairman of psychiatry at a major medical school, my guest today is used to fighting fires. So what does he do in his spare time? You guessed it. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is the chairman of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Buffalo, Dr. Stephen Dubofsky. Dr. Dubofsky recently authored the book, Psychotropic Drug Prescribers, Survival Guide, Ethical Mental Health Treatment in the Age of Big Pharma. As part of my ongoing series on physicians with other careers, we welcome Dr. Dubofsky to talk about his other life. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Leslie. Glad to be here. Steve, how on earth did you get into firefighting? Well, after September 11th, I wanted to do more to make a contribution to the community. And shortly after I moved to the Buffalo area from Denver, I got a little notice in the mail asking if I wanted to contribute to the fire department. So I sent him a check and it said, check here if you'd like to volunteer. So I checked. I thought, how hard could this be? (laughs) Not realizing that of the million uh, firefighters in the United States, three-fourths of them are volunteer. So the volunteer firefighters run the entire fire service for the majority of the United States. I didn't realize it was an actual job. Yeah. You thought you were going to stuff envelopes or something. Right. I figured, well, every once in a while they'll call you and you go and put some water on a fire and that'll be that. But it turned out to be quite a bit more complicated. So how much time does it really take? Well, right after I joined, I was told, oh, you'll be taking the EMT course. I said, what? Don't I get credit for being a doctor? Nope. So that was all day Saturday for six months, every Saturday, get an exam in each class, plus a statewide written exam and a practical exam. Following that, I had to do firefighter boot camp. That was seven in the morning to five in the afternoon every day for a couple of weeks. Oh, my gosh. That was learning how to be a firefighter. Now what I have to do is every uh, Wednesday evening, we have drill and we'll practice something. Uh, One day it might be working with ladders, another it might be hooking up to hydrants, it might be a live burn where you go into an actual uh, burning building and practice, it might be putting out a car fire or or extricating someone from a car. We have a meeting of the company once a month, then you're on call and you're expected to answer 25% of the calls most of the time, but every third week For a week at a time, I'm on call from midnight to 6 a.m., and there I have to answer every call that comes in. The uh, fire departments do all of the EMS. They do auto wrecks, automobile fires, hazmat, and uh, sometimes forced entries as well as actual fires. So you can get pretty busy. I'd say that's a huge amount of time. It's quite a commitment. The amazing thing is... It virtually never happens that a call goes unanswered or that it takes more than about a minute or two to answer a call. We've got about, in my particular group, I would say about 50 active firefighters, about 110 in the group, but about 50 of them are active. And there's enough people who are able to break away from whatever they're doing at any time of the day or night to get to these calls. So you take your own car. You don't jump in a fire truck. Well, what you do is if it's an EMS call and the call is between where you are and the fire hall, then you drive your car to the call. Otherwise, you drive to the fire hall and you get in a fire truck and fire while you get into your gear, get into the fire truck, put on your respirator and... Hit the road. How dangerous is it, Steve? Well, 
some of the fires, you know, these fires are, uh, are uh, they get pretty hot and they're quite smoky. And they can be very scary because the smoke will fill the house or the room or whatever space you're in fairly rapidly. Your gear will protect you up to about 900 degrees. And uh, in one of these fires, you can feel the heat burning through your protective gear. Uh, but the scariest thing is you can't see anything. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And so what you're taught to do is crawl and you're in a house, usually it's houses, although we cover some hotels and shopping malls as well. Most of the actual fires we get that are of any size are, are uh, house fires. Uh, and you'll go in either to search for victims or to put the fire out. When you're going in to put the fire out, it's not tremendously dangerous. When you're searching for victims, then it can be dangerous. And uh, in all fires, you'll generally cut a hole, usually in the roof, to vent the fire. And uh, that part can be kind of tricky, especially if it's a steep roof or a wet day. So occasionally, you'll fall through the roof into the fire. That's pretty unpleasant. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, what does your family think of this side job? Oh, they think I'm crazy. <laughs> and they're probably right. My wife said, you know, I don't want you running off and doing these kinds of things. And I said, well, you know, I really, I, I really want to feel like I'm doing something for the community. She says, well, you're a doctor. You do plenty. And I said, yeah, but this is really making a difference type of contribution. So she's kind of gotten used to it. Uh, I have two kids and they'll come with me to, there'll be an event at the fire hall and they'll sometimes come along and uh, meet the firemen. And they, they think it's kind of strange, but fun. Now, is it hard to get life insurance? Um, it has not been. That has really not been a big issue uh, has been life insurance. Okay. So you don't sit around the firehouse and wait for calls. You're generally out that's right. In the professional fire departments, and as I said earlier, that's about a fourth of all of all firefighters, the professional fire companies, there you have people who stay in, in the firehouse and they work a shift, and when the shift is over, they go home. But in the volunteer fire departments, you're just on call and, and, and around. You have the option of sleeping in the fire hall once a month, and you get extra credit for doing it, but uh, I don't know anybody who's ever actually done it. They used to have you stay in the fire hall, but now with the better communication technology, you don't really have to. I'm wondering, Steve, have you looked into the risk rates between uh, being a psychiatrist and being a firefighter? Which is more dangerous? Well, it's an interesting question. There was a show on television about the danger to therapists after the uh, psychologist in New York City was murdered by actually, I guess, another psychologist's uh, patient. And uh, Geraldo Rivera got on and said that 50% of therapists are attacked by their patients. I think that's, uh, I don't know where he got that figure. I'm sure he made it up. Uh, <laughs> but the, the risk, as you know, to a psychiatrist is really pretty low. Uh, I think the risk of a firefighter is even less, though, for several reasons. One is you are never alone in any of these situations, certainly not in a fire. There are always people around you and you're training constantly for things that could happen to put you in danger. At a fire, one company, if it's a, your average type of fire, one company will respond and a second company gets called to be what's called the fast team. And their job is to pull anyone out who gets into trouble. And so they're there standing outside the fire, and their only job is if someone goes down, they're going to go in and get them. 
uh, you have gear now. now. Ours is still somewhat rudimentary. You have something called a pass alarm. Uh, and what this is, is if you stop moving for 30 seconds, it emits this loud screech and it sends a radio signal to the base, which is going to be the truck you came off of. There's someone there monitoring these uh, and they'll let you know firefighter so-and-so has stopped moving and they'll find you immediately. Uh, they're coming out now with a GPS version of these pass alarms where they can actually see where you are. Right now they don't know exactly where you are, but they know where they sent you, so they know what part of the building you're in, and they'll they'll pull you out pretty quickly. So really, everyone is alert to the possibility of danger, and you always have someone backing you up, whereas a psychiatrist, you're frequently in situations where you have backup available if you say or do something stupid, but if you happen to be in a dangerous situation, you don't always have someone right there to help you out. I read somewhere, I can't recall the source, that the three most dangerous professions are convenience store clerk, uh, policemen, and psychiatrists. So, Well, you know, my experience has been actually the uh, physicians who are most likely to be injured by a patient or family member are OBGYNs because there you have a lot of angry husbands and relatives. And I've actually seen that happen several times, whereas the only time I ever saw a psychiatrist seriously injured by a patient was a psychiatrist who was shot by a patient's husband, but he was having an affair with the patient. Ah, extenuating circumstances. Right, right. Now, has being a firefighter helped your work as a psychiatrist? I would say it has in several ways. For one thing, uh, now by the way, I was uh, one of the few physicians ever to volunteer for this kind of thing, especially to go through boot camp. I was the oldest recruit they ever had. And I have to take orders from people who are sometimes a third my age. Wow. But they, <laughs> but they know more than I do. Mm. And that teaches you a level of humility that you sometimes tend to forget as you go on uh, up the ladder. And it really teaches you a lot of respect for people's expertise. I don't think I've ever met a group of uh, individuals, uh, men and women, who are so competent at what they do and so devoted to it and volunteering. And so that's kind of uh, somewhat inspirational to me. It helped a lot in terms of my not getting rattled at difficult situations because as a firefighter, I'm generally in situations where I'm out of my depth because I haven't been doing this for 20 or 30 years like uh, most of the group has. And so I'm always learning something new and I'm generally always doing something wrong as well. And so that's made me a little more tolerant of patients who, you know, get something wrong or, or my colleagues who get something wrong, I've become quite a bit more tolerant and understanding of that as well. And I don't have the same swelled uh, view of myself I might have had it at one time. That's probably good for me. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking, how many chairmen of departments do I know that would put themselves in the situation that you have? And, and I can't think of a single one other than you. So it's Well, really... here's something that'll teach you humility. It turns out when you join the particular post company I'm involved with, you are on the House Committee. What the House Committee is, is the group that cleans up after meals. Now, after each of these events, like a drill every, once a week, or one of the meetings, or sometimes we'll have special drills on the, we had one a few weeks ago for advanced trauma life support that went all weekend. 
But after any event or after a fire, they'll serve food, and the House Committee has to clean up. So here I am. I'm a chairman of a department of psychiatry in an academic medical center, and I'm mopping the floor or washing <laughs> dishes. So I've told them, you can tell everybody that I mop the floor. You can tell everybody that I have to empty the trash. But whatever you do, don't tell my colleagues that I make house calls. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks so much for being on our show today, Steve. It's my pleasure, Leslie. We've been discussing Dr. Stephen Dubofsky's other career as a firefighter. Of course, he's most well-known for being chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Buffalo. I'm Dr. Leslie Lent. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. 